0: Welcome to Geared for Growth, I'm your host Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today, we've got a very special episode that is part of a two-part series with Melissa Gooden, who's a financial planner, but with a little bit of a different edge. Her business is Retire Me Young. So interesting to hear in the name of her business, it obviously sets out her goals and expectations for herself and her clients. In part one, we talked to her about money and the reason why people want to acquire a certain level of wealth and the freedom that it entails. She gives us some interesting insights into her own story, finding herself as a single mother on a modest income and how she actually moved to the point where she became financially free. She's got some really good insights in how to save money, some tips in how you can get better control of your cash flow. And in part two, we talk specifically on the property side of things as well. It's a really awesome interview with someone that's so passionate about finances and achieving the life of your dreams. Here's part one Melissa Gooden, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth.
1: Thank you, Mike. Lovely to be here.
0: Uh, I The pleasure is all mine. And the reason why I say that is because I first uh, met you as a co-presenter at a real estate investor night uh, on the Gold Coast. And you had a very interesting T-shirt on, Retire Me Young. And immediately I was kind of interested, is that part of that you know, that fire principle, what's what's the angle here? Uh, and my curiosity uh, was definitely satiated by hearing your story and it really struck me how passionate you were, how open and sharing that you were, that I kind of thought, this lady is not leaving the room until I can put her in front of our listeners of Geared for Growth. So I'm very excited to have you today.
1: Thank you, Mike. That's very sweet. Yes, I am very passionate about it. So thank you.
0: Yeah, and it comes through a million percent. So, uh, Retire Me Young, that's the name of your business, of course. You are a financial advisor, but your traditional path is a bit unusual in the fact that it involves property, and there's a personal story that kind of really, I suppose, is a foundation for the good work that you do. Can you give us some insights into that?
1: Yeah, and I might even start by going back to um, my original degrees in psychology, Mm-hmm. So as an advisor, I do tend to marry the two together. I do feel like your money should make you happy. And I feel like, yeah, that's what most people in this life want really is happiness. And yeah, I think money's the solution to happiness. So yeah. Um, And then in answer to your question, yeah, I unfortunately found myself divorced um and really unprepared for that with three young children under 5 years of age probably my worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's other people in that situation that yeah maybe that resonates with them um and i guess i at that stage i'd been an advisor for oh, probably 10 years so i knew what to do I knew how to make money I knew all the theory and I kind of felt I felt like right okay you reckon you know what to do (laughs) you reckon you know finance well then let's get this situation sorted out I really didn't get much of a property settlement We, we we didn't have a lot we you know we owned a home we had a mortgage on it young kids high expense time of life you know I had multiple mat leaves um yeah, just a typical, I guess, family. And yeah, so I really went, okay, let's go. Like, let's get myself out of this mess. Let's really set myself up. Because I guess most people, I feel like with young children, the thing they really, really want is to be there for their family. They want to have time. They want to have, I guess, a little bit of financial freedom where they feel like, They're not stressed all the time. They can really focus on raising a happy, healthy family. And unfortunately, the reality is, as a single parent, it's harder. It's harder to kind of manage that earning income as well as having time with the family and not working too much. And those that really, I really felt that huge pressure of having Mm. to kind of balance that. So, and I always wanted to run my own company. So I went, this is it. Okay, let's go. And really, retirement young was, Founded as a way to help myself and therefore help others do what I did to get yourself out of the rat race. I guess if we're talking Robert Kiyosaki, we're talking you mentioned the fire, um, the fire movement. Yeah, it was really like Tim Ferriss and the four-hour workweek. I'm like, oh my gosh, people say this is possible. I know how the finance bit works. Let's go. Let's get this going. And mm. yeah, it was a crazy hard five to six year really like sprint to the finish for me um, to get myself out of the rat race, financially secure, passive income, and what I call semi-retired, which basically means that I choose my work hours um, and really I'm in control of my life. And so yeah, it turned horribleness into really a very grateful, grateful, wonderful situation for my family.
0: Five, six years is not a very, very long time. But before I ask you about that, I love the idea of thinking about happiness. You know, like the the Greek philosophers would, would spend their careers discussing, you know, what is a, a virtuous life? What is a good life? What is a, a happy life? And I don't think, you know, apart from, you know, the pop culture daily stoic type books that sort of pop up and disappear. You know, Marcus Aurelius is very popular. Um, but we don't spend a lot of time going, all right, well, like what is life about and, and, and how do I live a good life and how do I be happy? You know, do you have any advice for people that perhaps haven't got the psych background and haven't come to that conclusion themselves? How to sort of start just having those introspective questions?
1: Good question. And I actually think that question really does underpin what your financial strategy should look like as well um, because I feel like it's not until you work out who you are and what you actually want in life that you can then create a financial strategy that's going to get you those things. Mm. So I feel like it really is a foundational question. Um, so how to find it? I guess it's that moment to moment of going, noticing in your day, noticing your body, noticing your feelings and going like, when are the times in my day where I'm just crazy happy or really at peace? And what I noticed as a mom, it was when I was with my kids, I was just, I'm the kind of mom that goes down the slide. (laughs) in the park, <laughs> nice. swings on the swings and runs around and does Ninja Warrior things <laughs> with her kids. Um, you know, to me, happiness when I first started and part of my strategy was I lived in a two-bedroom duplex with four kids <laughs> and our happiness at the time was scooting down to the Indian restaurant in Palmi. And spending 50 bucks for dinner on a Tuesday night and going, you know what? I get to spend an hour and a half, two hours with my kids after school, hanging out, having fun, eating at the table where I don't have to cook and clean. I just get to spend time sitting in front of my children, talking Mm -hmm. to them about how their day is, having fun. So for me, I don't know about if it's the same for other people, but for me, like, it was that just working out, like, what brings me joy? And honestly, scooting around Palmy brought me a lot of joy and the great thing was it's free. (laughs) So that was like tick. (laughs) Needed things that were free and crazy enjoyable. Um, The other thing was learning to surf with my kids. I realised that like learning to surf and playing guitar. So me and my kids, we kind of like play drums,
0: guitar, vocals.
1: We have a little daggy band
0: (laughs) at home. (laughs) That's great.
1: But once you bought the crazy expensive guitar, it's actually not, it doesn't cost you anything. Mm. Um, so, those things are really simple things. Really, um, to me, a $40,000 holiday in the Alps, that doesn't make me happy, really. Kind of, mm. yeah, it's, I mean, maybe one day when I can, you know, want to spend the kind of money on that stuff, maybe that makes me happy. Maybe I don't know. But to me, I really just started with what are the things that I can do right now that are going to yeah. give me a crazy amount of happiness. And then go, let's get more of that stuff in life. And yeah, working a corporate job, putting on a suit, putting on high heels, that does not make me happy.
0: It's surprising how little you actually need. And, uh, you know, as a psychology buff, I'm sure you, you'll be picturing, as, as I am, Maslow's hierarchy of, yeah. of needs. And that's not necessarily happiness, but it's just kind of, you know, survival, but it's, it's Ties into it, but it, I think it's it's empowering to realize. Well, you don't actually need that much to to make you happy, and we all get whipped up in in you know these these Instagram curated versions of people's lives where they look so happy only because they've got the Rolex or because they drive the Ferrari or because they are in the Alps getting you know altitude sickness or or that sort of thing. But for for you, um, money. Uh, I think means something different to other people and um, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but it's kind of like it's, it's freedom tickets, right? It's, it's being able to decide what you want to do. So the goal isn't necessarily to have a big stack. It's just what do I need to make my life the way that sort of uh, coincides with my happiness. Is that fair to say? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business MCG Quantity Surveyors you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well.
1: You know what, what I was noticing when you're speaking is this idea that I'll determine what's important to me and i feel like that's the same for every human i feel like society tells us this should make you happy like a tesla lease a new car every 3 to 5 years that should make you happy um i don't know that maybe it makes you happy and it's good if that's what makes you happy put put it on the list get it and really love it and enjoy it um but i what i what i was noticing as you were speaking is that it's about digging in like deep and going what's my happy and starting from that place um yeah it's it's very empowering i think the other thing was that it's like it's our it's your life i guess it's you know cliche but it really is your life and society has these rules around kind of maybe how you should live how you should work how you should do things what you should value but it's your life <laughs> so really mm. like and i feel like the more you get financial freedom or financial control over your life the more you start to get a lot of power um that really starts to rise up and you go hang on a minute I'm the boss of me right I feel like my kids get this my four-year-old daughter she goes mommy I'm the boss of me you're the boss of you I'm like okay got it (laughs) maybe it took me a little while to realize that maybe it was not until I'm 40 that I started saying now society I'm the boss of me (laughs) um and so maybe that's part of the growth of us adult this adulthood that we're in it's like maybe going back to children and like stamping our feet and going actually no i'm the boss i'll work out
0: well there's my wisdom like. in children isn't it like isn't there there's the buddhist version of the uncarved block you know like yeah. all of these these influence shape who we are um look I want to start getting uh, to the financial side of things because, you know, obviously this is the subject of this and rather than just going and, okay, well, you know, I want to be free so I'm going to make more money, you sort of approach it from a little bit of a different way and and to and to quote you, it's not how much you earn, it's the difference between what you earn and what you spend and uh, and what you do with it that makes you rich fast. So, Was that the first step for you to go, okay, well, I presume in that situation, even though you you would have had a a reasonable job, you were limited in how much you could work, you were limited in your income and and starting a new business, so... um, People don't like uh, me interviewing people to go, I was on a million dollars a year and now I have 10 properties. I'm like, well, of course, yeah. of course, that's easy to do. So know, t- you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- tell, us, tell us your story and, 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 and how you analyse the expenses and, and put your money to work.
1: Yeah, so I think this is where it comes down to and I've, what I've worked out with my clients, a lot of people say that I know we can spend less and blah, 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 but they kind of feel like what's the point because they feel like it's not really going to get them much of a benefit. Mm. Like so why spend less every week if, you know, you wake up in five years and your life isn't any different? It's kind of yeah. maybe a little bit like losing weight. Like, you know, why not eat that cream bun if it, yeah, whatever, what's it really matter? <laughs> kind of like, all yeah. right, it doesn't seem to change, right? So it's that kind of delayed gratification piece. Around, so for me, I had a very strong why, like, and I I guess I also had the benefit of going, I know, I know if I do this, I know if I sacrifice for a set amount of time that I'm going to get a massive benefit in the end. And maybe farmers get this. And, yes, a lot yeah. of the good books say, talk about this, you know, sow into now, so in, so in, so in, 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 delay gratification and you'll wake up and you'll reap the harvest. Um, I think it's even in the Bible, right? It's been around yeah. for a very long time. Um, but really I think it is that daggy old-fashioned principle and kind of people don't want to do it, really. Um, I started with a whole lot less than most of my clients. Um like but I had I guess I had a really, really, really clear path. Mm. Um and really what it came down to is as an entity, as a family, as an individual, whatever, you need to be cash flow positive. And right. I look at I always look at things from cash flow positive. It's like I am just like the cash flow queen, probably. Like I really, I think a lot of read read a lot of Robert Kiyosaki books as a kid, and he's it was totally on the mark. Like it really comes down to cash flow. So if for me, really, what it came down to is I just lived on as little as possible, but to make sure that I could do it sustainably, because I knew it was going to be a five year run. Um, I made sure I. I did spend money on things that made me happy. So I had regular, regular holidays. It was like literally like once a month we were going on holidays, but we were going across the border, northern New South Wales, spending 300 bucks on two nights accommodation. Um, You know, it was like if you look at across a whole year, I probably spent $5,000 a year on holidays, but I was on holidays every month. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, so for me that was like I felt like I was rich. I'm like who gets to go on holidays every month? Like, You know, definitely not the person who's going on $40,000 trips overseas. Um, So it was around about that, yeah, like spending less than you earn but then still spending money on the stuff that actually makes you crazy happy. And I luckily enough had things that weren't that expensive that made me crazy happy. Um, And then it's really around being creative. Um, Like in order to keep my home, you know, I was willing to live in a granny flat. And rent out the property. And then a couple of years later, I was willing to live in a two bedroom duplex with four children because that's all the bank would lend me as with a new fledgling company. You know, I could have stayed working, but I went, you know what? Me working and earning a salary wasn't going to get me what I wanted in the, the amount of time I wanted it. And so I had to sacrifice some things. And yes, I would have loved to have, have a beautiful home and do all those things at the time, but I thought, no, I want. A waterfront property, or what my dream place, or what my dream lifestyle, that's what's important to me. And I set a path that I knew I could achieve in a reasonable amount of time and the pain was worth just. <laughs> um <laughs> the benefit I've just like to swallow then going, really? <laughs> Sometimes it wasn't. It was it was crazy hard, I'm not gonna lie. Like my fast track was insane. It was painful. <sighs> But now every day I walk outside and look at the water and I just go, I'm crazy proud of myself. My kids are crazy proud. And that's the other really, really cute thing is a couple of years ago, my oldest, he's now 14, he turned to me and we're talking about what do you want to do in life and what do you want to like? He's on a scholarship. My, my kids are kind of maths gurus too. Like, we're all, we are love math. Um, and um, I said, what do you want to do? And he, he turned to me and he goes, Mom. I've watched you struggle for half of my life. He said, I want to be like you. He said, I want to yeah. be an entrepreneur. I want to be an investor. And he goes, I know it's not might not be easy, but I want to be like you. And I just, at that time, I turned around and thought, oh, my gosh, this whole time my kids had watched what I was doing. And I think it's a really good lesson for them. Sorry, I'm <laughs> getting a bit emotional, but.
0: No, it's heavy. I mean, like what what, what better compliment from a kid? And, and and in an age where kids want to be YouTubers, right? Like that's And the like, want to be
1: YouTuber. I'm good with that. I'm like, that's yeah. probably hard work too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but i but what i mean by saying that is that kids have got access to so many more glamorous uh outcomes right like because when you when perhaps you and i uh were in kindergarten it was like you know i want to be a fireman i want to be a policewoman you know i want to be a marine biologist or a vet you know if you wanted to go a bit left field with it whereas today kids are aware of so much more so many more options right for so for for him to say like um and even with all the struggles which you know He's old enough to realise that that was hard. He still wants to emulate your your journey. So, I, you know, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. So I think and in summary, delay gratification is a really, really crazy powerful tool. And they do, there's like studies that show that, that people that delay gratification are generally end up being far, far, far more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's daggy old-fashioned advice, but really it works. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: So when you're working with clients, and you referenced before that most of your clients are in so much better position than you were at that point in in time, and yes, there there might be people in your situation that are listening and and are empowered uh, by what you've been able to do, but the average person has far much more more scope to be able to achieve great results because, you know, they might be... be, Working couple, or they might have a higher level of of income, but but still, you focus on saving money. So I think at the presentation, you kind of said, "I don't care who you are, I'm going to be able to save you some money." So how do you forensically look through people's profit and loss, as it were, and 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 find those savings to be able to put them towards assets or savings that go to assets that are positive in cash flow?
1: Okay. Good question, Mike. Um, so, and yes, I do have a bit of a challenge. That um, I'm pretty sure I can help every every person. I've got 18 year old clients that have got 50 grand share portfolios in two or three years. So, and they're working part time while they're at uni, right? So, if they can do it, definitely moms and dads with double incomes. You're you're a notice. It's definitely achievable. Yeah. Um. um so, really, the simplest answer to that question is if you have a credit card and if you're paying, even if you're paying it off every, year, every month, it is not an excuse. It's not an excuse that flies.
0: But the points, Melissa, the, oh, the
1: points. points. I know the banks, they love you and they love your points. Why do you think they set up a, a program that's based on psychology to help mm. you? Spend more money and then they make deals with companies that want you to spend more money and they wrap it up in this lovely little package called points. They're not here to be your friend. (laughs) They're not not doing it out of the goodness of their heart, trust me. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, let's not go to banks for financial advice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so if you have a credit card, if you have a car loan, if you have a lease, if you have any kind of personal loan, Literally, you, most of my clients will walk in the door in their 40s, in their 50s, husband and wife, couple of kids, mortgage. As soon as they've got anything like that, as soon as they've got anything that is debt that is not a mortgage, I would say the average client is can easily save $500 a week. Wow. And then when I say save $500 a week, I don't mean Save five hundred dollars a week, put it on your offset account, think you're doing really good again because the bank's created offset accounts so that you could spend more. Mm. And then take that money out, take buy a holiday or pay for a holiday overseas, buy a new car. To me, savings means it has been removed from your personal cash flow and it has been put into the investment markets. Whether right. that's a share portfolio, whether it's your super fund, whether it's an investment property. No crypto doesn't count. <laughs> so really. <laughs> Um, That is savings. Saving, not spending, and investing. Most people, a normal couple with a couple of kids and a mortgage, can be saving and investing $500 a week. It is, I would say, 99% of the clients that walk in my door. Even a single person on a modest income could be saving $300 a week and investing. And when I run the numbers on that stuff, Like in three, five years time, if you're buying $500 worth of shares, it's 25 grand a year. You're investing in the share market. Like we're talking $100,000 share portfolio in a handful of years, not even. Like Mm. this is what your car lease is costing you. This is what your credit card is costing you. This is what your personal loans costing you. That's what it's costing you. And that's what the bank, that's why the banks make so much profit because you're giving that money every week to them. Yeah, and you're getting some lifestyle benefits. You're driving around in a nice car. You get to go tap, tap, tap on your credit card. You know, it makes you feel good. You don't have to worry about your
0: money. You feel like a king. It's like <laughs> You free feel great. You're
1: well, awesome. Like i got own this town. Beep, look that's
0: at that. that you <laughs> Yeah, that's where it sort you. of you're losing the government me.
1: Loves you. Keep turning the GDP over. Like, let's all stay on this rat race. It's awesome. Makes the world go round. Mm. Some of us. We want out of that gig, (laughs) so I would say very easy. Um, Yeah, I put a challenge out there: husband and wife, couple of kids. Like, you come and see me, and I'll show you five hundred dollars a week easy savings. Um, But really, it comes down to structure. Most people, and probably this is the big thing that my company does, is we create structure. Most people run their finances. I have not actually seen a client who's walked in. Like, I've not seen a client, I'm going to be honest. I've not seen a client who actually has any form of correct structure. Barefoot right. Investor kind of comes close. I've not yet seen a client who actually does what the Barefoot Investor does, says and actually follows through on it. They usually set up all their buckets and then they sneak across some money from that account to this account and then take them from that account. Right,
0: so, <laughs> so despite all those theory. millions of book sales... I'm that like, ben, I
1: love you, Scott. You're awesome. Totally agree with like 85% of what you say. But I, what I often end up doing for clients is I actually do the work so oh. that they don't have to because most people don't do it. Um, so, yes, it's really around having a structure, having a structure that stops you spending money every day. It stops you tap, tap, tapping your card and actually has you investing like you need to be investing every week. Like literally every human in Australia needs to be investing every week. Every kid with a job needs to be investing, whether it's $5 a week into the share share market. Everyone needs to be investing.
0: I like that. And that's a pretty good segue to wrap this episode up because this is a property podcast at the end of the day and we will touch on investing for <laughs> for people that can't necessarily afford a property, but I know property has been a big part of your philosophy and it's a, 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 a big in, interest for you. So thank you for joining me on this one and please jump on episode to next week where we dive into the property side of the equation. Melissa, thanks for joining me.
1: You're welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, listeners.